just can't believe that he doesn't do it for us or she's changing for you or changing for herself. We're not married until we get to the edge because we start to think I'm not enough. I don't fit in this relationship anymore. Instead of trying to find out what's really going on, we push our marriage all the way to the edge. I'm on assignment. I'm on assignment this afternoon. Already sent out text messages and told folk to come to church because I'm on assignment. I have a message today. But I'm tired of something. And it's been all week. It's been since last week. Maybe it's been since two weeks. I'm tired of something. And I'm tired of being messed with. I'm tired of a spirit of distraction. I'm tired of a spirit of offense. I'm tired of a spirit of defense. I'm tired of a know-it-all spirit. Trying to rest around me and rest up in here and rest in my folks. And so I got an attitude when I came in here today because the spirit of distraction met me at the door. Again, I'm on assignment. I got a message to preach. As soon as I stepped in, the spirit of distraction started messing with me again. And so I got an attitude. And I want to tell you that I've also been on the wall. A few of us have been on the wall all week. We've been praying for a baby girl. Her name is Aaliyah. She's nine months old. She had heart surgery. But then they had to go back because there was difficulty with the surgery. And so her parents and her family have been back and forth all week. All week I've been getting messages about this baby girl. And so I'm, I'm in a fight for her. Um, I'm, I'm in a fight to snatch her back. Because the enemy is threatening to take her. But I'm in a fight to snatch her back. And so I just wanted to be here right before I get to this message. Because Pastor Rodney, I got an attitude. And Pastor Marias, I got an attitude. And when I get an attitude, I'm ready to fight. Because I believe the way that I fight now is better than the way that, that folks fight with guns and knives and fists and all of that. And so what I need to do is kick out a spirit of offense, a spirit of distraction, a spirit of defense, a spirit of messiness, a spirit of confusion, and a spirit of chaos that's trying to raise up his head over the past two or three weeks. I'm tired of that. And I tell you what a spirit of distraction does. My husband and I were just getting ready to have dinner last night. And it was late. And now he hears in the house. One of them big old horse flies was in the house. If you know me, you know I tear the house up getting him out. I tear the house up getting him out. But what happened is we stopped preparing dinner. We stopped sitting down for dinner to get this thing out. I'm opening up the door. I'm trying to turn the light on. I got a tactic to get him out. But it's only a distraction. Because the truth is he couldn't hurt us. He could just annoy us. The truth is he couldn't do nothing to us but keep getting on our nerves for us to keep batting him off. That's what the spirit of distraction does in here. And it's been lightened in all kinds of different departments and in all kinds of different places just to annoy me. I don't know if anybody else is annoyed, but I'm annoyed by the spirit of distraction, the spirit of offense, defense, chaos, confusion. (laughs) But what? But what Tisha just said 
And the praise team just said, is something happens when I call on the name of Jesus. Something happens. And so I'm going to take a moment because I believe that something happens when I call his name. And so I want to do that up in here for a few minutes. Minister Chantel brought me my warfare flag. If y'all could see this army fatigue. Y'all think we just be waving flags just to be waving flags. It's a whole ministry if you didn't know. The colors mean something. The moves mean something. Yeah. And so when you're in a battle, you employ all kinds of things. I don't know if y'all been in a real battle. You, my brother, my little brother told me, he said, man, I'll scratch somebody with my toenail if I have to. You use everything you got. Yeah, everything. And so I want to fight for a minute for right in here. I want to fight for a minute for that little baby girl. Yes. Yeah. But I also want to fight for you while we fighting. Yeah, yeah. Throw your stuff up in there while we fighting. Yeah. I heard them singing this song. And I'm like, wait a minute. Who called upon the name of Jesus? He leaves us an example. Who called on this name, Jackie, and got an answer? It was blind Bartimaeus. I woke up the other morning. I told the prayer team, I woke up the other morning. Just woke up. As soon as I woke up, I was saying, Jesus, son of David. I said it four times before I knew that I was awake and what I was saying, Jesus, son of David. But that's what blind Bartimaeus was saying. He was blind. He was blind. He needed mercy. He had Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And he was telling blind Bartimaeus, be quiet, be quiet. Don't, don't mess with the teacher. Leave him alone because he was a blind bag on the side of the road. But do you know that it was the cry of blind Bartimaeus that made Jesus stop and stand up? He had to stand still. Wait a minute. Somebody's calling me. And then there was Legion. Y'all know Legion that came out of them tombs. He was out of his mind. Yes. He walked up to Jesus. Jesus, what do you want from me? That's what the demons was crying out. But uh, that man walked up to him. What happened when he called on the name of Jesus? Oh, all that demonic had to leave out of him. All them different personalities. Uh, all his mind being scrambled. All him trying to kill himself. All him not being able to live with people. All of that had to go when he called on the name of Jesus. We need to know. And then what else happened? When they called on the name of Jesus. That was Paul and Silas in that jail. Y'all remember that? It's something to it. We got to pay attention. We just not singing a song to be singing a song. Yeah. Something does happen when we call on the name of Jesus. Yeah. And when they started calling on him and praising his name, do you know that chains broke? You know they was freed? Do you know the captives went free because they was calling on his name? Somebody's hell bound on today. But if you got enough courage, I see a few people that like, I'm going to say it with you. I'm going to call on the name of Jesus with you. I got an attitude today, y'all. And I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. Because I believe, keep that something happens when I do. 
Tisha got to a place right there and she just said, I call him Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I want to do that. I want to do that. And I want to do it in a few spaces. So I want to do it first. I clear up this atmosphere. We don't get to the baby girl, but I'm tired of that up in here. We've been so good. We've been so good. The band been good. The praise team been good. And now all of a sudden there's some stirring in the house. But if you somebody who said, no, Pastor Sharonda, I'm one of the ones who stand on the gate. I fill up the hedge. I'm on the wall. I'm looking around in this ministry. If that is you, and if it ain't you and you just love a fight, <laughs> jump in. Some of y'all don't even understand, but you know what? If y'all fighting, I'm fighting. Let's jump in. And so the first thing that we're going to do, I'm going to ask the praise team to call Jesus, Jesus, Jesus just a few times. And then I'm going to pray and break up this atmosphere. And then they're going to call Jesus, Jesus, Jesus a few more times. And we're going to lift up baby Aaliyah. And then we're going to call Jesus, Jesus, Jesus a few more times. And then I want you to throw your stuff in there. I want you to throw your stuff in there. What do you need? A financial breakthrough, healing, mental health, those kids, whatever it is that you need. Just a breakthrough. I need to go higher. I need a promotion, whatever it is. I got a few folks standing around with some flags. I'm going to wave my warfare flag because I'm at war. I see Andrea and I see Champagne and I see Minister Chantel. I like that red flag. That's the blood of Jesus. Come on. Come on up in here. I see those cream color flags. The Holy Spirit is represented up in here. And so, praise team, let's do it one more time. Hey, when I call your name, when I call your name. Come against us. We rob this enemy out of us. 
out of our department, out of our church, out of our lives, out of our business. In the name of Jesus, you spirit of offense, you spirit of defense, you spirit of distraction, you spirit of chaos, you spirit of confusion, you accusing spirit, you lying spirit. We cast you out of this ministry.
And then she said, but I myself have not been able to have a baby. But I'm watching everybody else do it. And bless the Lord. She was being a good soldier. And I told her, I said, well, you know what? We got a blessing of babies that's coming in our house. So you pray for me that we can get some marriages, some godly marriages going on in our house. And I'm going to lay hands on your womb. That this baby, I'm still believing. I'm still believing for that baby. And so I prayed for her right there. And so I'm going to pray for her while we're praying. Since the enemy thinks he has his, his math, he can't beat God's math. God will multiply your healing. He'll multiply your blessing. Yeah? And so one more time, praise team. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Or Keith can just come up behind me. Y'all don't have to. Let's go back into prayer. Father God, I just say thank you. I say thank you for baby Aaliyah right now. God, we come against the gates of hell. We pray, oh God, that your will be done in her life. God, we declare healing over this baby girl. We come against every obstacle that keeps coming against her. We come against every word that has been spoken over her life. That is not of you. Oh God, be with the doctors. Be with her parents, her grandparents. My God, in the name of Jesus, do the miraculous. We call upon you, Jesus, 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 because you healed the blind. We call upon you, Jesus, 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 because you healed a woman with the issue of blood. We call upon you, Jesus, 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 because you brought a baby back to life. My God, in the name of Jesus, there is nothing too hard for you. And so we pray, God. We pray for this baby girl right now. We call out her name. Y'all help me say her name. God, we pray for Aaliyah. Y'all, her name is Aaliyah. Call her name out. We pray for Aaliyah. Heal Aaliyah. Heal Aaliyah. Heal her heart. Heal her lungs. Heal her breath. Heal her brains. Heal her body. We declare long life. We declare longevity. We declare health in the name Jesus and we pray for Shemaine and Ronnie and we speak a healthy delivery we speak life to this baby boy God you sent this baby boy and so we call Jesus over her womb Jesus in their home Jesus over her delivery Jesus bring them here safe God in the name of Jesus we pray for Tay and Allie on today and we cry Jesus my God in the name of Jesus bless them bless this baby bring this baby home bless their home bless their marriage my God in the name Jesus Jesus son of David God, and we pray for the pastor's wife, God. My God, in the name of Jesus, oh God, heal that womb. Bring life through that womb. We seen you do it. We stand in faith believing. We believe you're going to do it now, God. In the name of Jesus, we're waiting for the call. We're waiting for it, God. And we come against everything that has come against them. In the name of Jesus. Woo! Jesus, One more. Jesus, 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 Jesus. 
It's your turn. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to take the time, Kareem, because the enemy made me mad this morning. And so I'm going to take the time. It's your turn. It's your turn. I pray for some folks that came to church that didn't just come up here to sing the praise team sing. I pray for some folks that's in here that didn't just come to hear a good word, but that you came to encounter God. You came to get something from God. And if you don't need nothing from God, you might as well head on out of here now. You done. You, I'm good, God. I got everything that I need in life. Who is that? Let me know how you did that. But we're going to go, Jesus, 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 one more time. And I promise we're going to get to the word. I love it, serenity, and I love it, Ariah, that y'all came up here. Because we said we was going to throw everything at it. And so if y'all tired, y'all can go sit down. But if y'all not tired, we're going to do it one more time. If you got a flag, I want you to come to the front. I see you, Roz. I see you, Pastor. Yep. Get your stuff. Get your help. Get your marriage. Get your kids.
I think I'm going to move on into the message. But I have one more task that I just want you to agree with me on. Since I have his attention, I got a list of boys that I've been praying for. And I keep them before God. I keep them lifted. I keep calling their names out. Some of them were troubled. Some of them just kind of got lost in life. Some of them are in a very hard place, a very difficult place. Some of them is a couple of girls that they've been on the list. Now, some of these boys on here and these girls, they came out. But God told me don't take them off the list yet because I need them to be in a solid place. I need them to be on solid ground. And so I just want to call out their names. I want to fight for them. I'm going to keep on fighting for them. And so I call out Terry Rapp. Y'all help me pray. Rashad Young. Christopher. I got three Darnells. Darnell, Darnell, and Darnell. Renisha. Joy. Olabade. Tyler. Ken Jr. Charles. Charles Wilson. Quentin. Danielle. Stephen. King. Dominique. Dior. Darion. Matthew. Tori. Isaiah. Denzel. Rick. Kevin, Jordan, and Josiah, God, we keep them lifted. We keep them lifted. We keep them lifted, God. We keep them lifted, God. Oh, God, we just said thank you. We just said thank you, God. We just say thank you, God. God, for what's already done for freedom. We say thank you. I see Kim and Danielle. I see Shayla, Dora, Elijah, and Jalen. I see them on here. Alice and Karen. I see them on my list. And so, God, we pray. We pray. Here, Brandon, I think I can put my flag. Praise team. Tasha, Tasha gonna send us somewhere, y'all. She's gonna send us somewhere. I think there's a message in the house. But that right there, Tasha. Let's just seal this up then. And we're gonna go right on into the message. Y'all gonna have to make me do an expedited message. But... It's that soulful, that soulful moan, that soulful cry that Tasha got going on right there. And so if we believe that, that something just broke, something just happened, at that point, it's just a worship. It's just a thank you, Lord. It's just a thank you, Lord. It's just a thank you, Lord. I don't know if you ever just laid out somewhere and said thank you. Deisha, we was on a prayer week at the end of year fast. 
And we have been through a, such a tough year. And then Valerie Smith came on live with me. And all she did was that. And we couldn't do anything but bow down in the presence of God. And just say thank you for bringing us through. I've been in a place myself. It was a hard eight months. My family and I had to fight and fight hard. But after that, thank you, Jesus, for after that, I found a moment just like this moment. Well, all I can do is just lay out on the floor and say, thank you, God. And so there's a moment here that I pray for each of you, whatever you pray for, if you're coming out of something, if you're not in nothing, that ought to be a praise right there. But where you lay out, you don't have to have a whole bunch of words. Pastor Marias talked about, oh, Keith. <laughs> I'm going to let them do that for a moment. I'm going to let them do that. Find your worship. Find your praise. What is that, Pastor Sharonda? Thank you, God. I believe you. I believe you, God. I believe you. So just a moment, and we're going to get to this word. a place in worship where the Holy Spirit just loves to be at the center. And then we feel him, his manifest presence when we do that. It always happens like that. When you place him at the center. And so I thank each of you for participating in prayer. Y'all, that's just prayer. Some of us run away from prayer, but that's only prayer, what we just did. With worship with praise with some humble adoration with some fight with some help with some help thank you praise team thank you all thank you thank you band y'all it helps to be able to more than double team triple team quadruple team that enemy thank you dancers thank you flaggers thank you those who prayed out there I believe we're clear. I'm going to get through as much as this as I can because I called the I called the couples to come to church on today. I feel the presence of God resting in the room. I feel him resting in the room. And so I do have a message for the couples, but not only for the couples, for the singles. And so we're going to get into that, but we'll first go to our scriptures. Um 
I believe you have those, Sean. Yes. Let's start right here. This is Matthew 9, uh, 4 through 6. Let's stand for the reading of the word, couples. I pray that when I said, get your stuff up, we're going to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I pray your marriage was one of them that you threw up before God. Even if y'all the best y'all ever be. I pray that that was one of the things that you threw up before God. And so let's read this together. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they no longer, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. As you go down, if, if you sit with your partner, don't say it to a stranger. But if you are with your, your spouse, just tell him, room for two, please. Tell him, room for two, please. Y'all know when y'all checking in, we need room for two. And so last week, you may have your seats. And so last week, we started something, which was the intro to this month's theme of Level Up 2.3. We're in a year of Level Up, and this month's theme is margins. We define margins as the space between your life and your limit. We learned that there should be some space between your life and the place that's on the edge. Everything we do shouldn't be right on the edge of our lives. Dr. Parson gave some great analogies for that. Here's one. When we talk about margins, let's say you have a 12 o'clock appointment. It takes you 20 minutes to get to that appointment. If you leave at 1140, that gives you exactly 20 minutes to get there. You have left yourself no margin. If a red light holds you long, you're over your limit. If there's construction on the road, you're over your limit. If an emergency vehicle holds up traffic, you're over your limit. If you forgot to put gas in your car, you're over your limit. That's me. I'll be in the, oh, I get it in the morning. You don't have time in the morning. There is no margin. There is no room. We have to create a margin in our lives. We don't only do that um, with just our individual lives, but on today, we'll be discussing how to correct our margins in marriage. How to come all the way off the edge. I want to pick up where we ended last week. Um, it was a to-be-continued, if y'all didn't know. I don't know. Y'all probably not 80s babies like us. But on 80s babies, the show would just end in a cliffhanger and just put to-be-continued on the screen. It wasn't no binge watching. It wasn't going back to record nothing. You had to wait till next week. And then when it came the next week, they play a little bit of what happened, and then they go ahead and give you uh, the new episode. And so we're picking up from where we left off last week. Dr. Parson ended our service last week with Jonathan McReynolds' songs, Make Room. Um, and this is where we will start this week, but just with a small lyric change. He said, I find space for what I treasure. I make time for what I want. I choose my priorities and baby, you're my number one. 
So I will make room for you. I will prepare for two so that you don't feel that you can't live here. Please live with me. One more time, I find space for what I treasure. I make time for what I want. I choose my priorities. And baby, you're my number one. So I will make room for you. I will prepare for two so that you don't feel that you can't live here. Please live with me. I want to talk about the margins of marriage. This is for those of you who are married, but again, this is also for those of you who are single. As I talked to Dr. Parson this week, she said, you know, one of the mistakes that the church has made and we have to stop doing that is that is separating the married folk from the single folk. That means we only learn about marriage once we get married, but we don't have no help going in because you've been separating, talking about single stuff and never talking about married stuff. So for every single person in the room, for those who hope to be married, you ought to have your notebook out, your toolbox open, and I'm getting ready to collect up some data. For when I need this, and this is the same for all of you married people. Don't sit in here and think you got it all together. Apply the things that God will share with us on today. Today is for all of us. We learned the margin is the space between your life and your limit. It's the area between the main content and the edge. Just like on a piece of paper, we all know that margin. There are margins there. In the middle is the main content. On the side is the margin. If you go past the margin, then you're what? Off the edge. The margin helps to define where something should end. It should have stopped right there. And you're still trying to push past it. That's the margin. Your margin should be your breathing room. It's going to give you some room to breathe. You should have been at prayer week. Pastor Marias talked all about rest and, and anxiety and uh, the chemicals that released. Anyway, go back and watch it. You shouldn't run your life all the way to the limit. There should be a margin. Again, there should be a margin of rest. When do you rest? Stop saying I'm so tired. I'm just so tired. Because you say, I have to do this, and I have to do that. You're off your margins, and you're on the edge. You do have time to rest. You're just not taking it. You're putting something else ahead of you. Don't run your life to the limit of your health and what you eat. Y'all know that there's a limit to how much we can eat. Just because it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, don't eat all of it. Don't keep going back and back and back again. Know that there's a limit. Know that there's a limit to your health. Pay attention. Some of us, we're out of the main content. We are so far beyond our margin that we're just right over the edge. Dr. Parson talked about it last week. Those blood pressure numbers, those um, um, blood sugar levels, your stress level, your anxiety level, it's right on the edge. One thing is going to tip you over. You're ignoring the signs that you're right on the edge. You know, when you're writing something, when you get on the edge, there are signs that you're on the edge because now you start trying to squeeze stuff in on the side. Your body is telling you you're squeezing stuff in. And you're about over the margin. That migraine headache, you're trying to squeeze it in. You're about over the margin. You're going to fall over the edge. That backache you keep having, 
you're over the edge. You have no margin. You're not taking care of yourself. You need to get back on the main content and get off of the edge. That means that you might have to change what you're eating. You know me, I swear by a green juice. Get rid of that, some of that food and processed food that we're eating. There's no room. There's no margin. For some of you, it's work. Your work is what is all in your margin because I got to work and I got to make money and I got to do this. Well, what happens when you can't work? What happens when you push so far into your margins that you're over the edge that you're in the hospital? What's going to that you're sick? What's going to happen then? We have to get some room. We have to get some margin. And it is the same way with your marriage. Your marriage does have a boundary. Your marriage should have a limit. Stop pushing your marriage to the limit. It's, there's no margin in your marriage. Some of you, your marriage is teetering right there on the edge. One storm and it's over. One thing that comes to stress everybody and it's over. One wrong comment and it's over. We have stretched our marriage to the limit. As I begin to prepare this message, and after I looked at the, uh, some statistics that I will share with you in a few moments, I got another understanding about how real marriage is. I got an understanding of how important it is that we as Christ followers understand marriage from God's view. We can't toss it around like an old sock. We can't dismiss it like it is something annoying and bothersome. We can't disregard it as if it is something of no value. God values marriage. And when you don't, you're not in agreement with God. When you toss around your marriage, you're not in agreement with God. When you act like, well, it don't matter. We just hear you're not in agreement with God. You're in opposition of God. The original blessing. That God spoke over the man and the woman to multiply, we got it over here, to multiply, be fruitful and fill the earth was to be through married couples having babies and creating families. It wasn't just for anybody to go and, and, and do that. It was through married couples having babies and creating families. It wasn't supposed to be baby mamas and baby daddies. But through whole families in marriage. Y'all stay with me. We in it together. Uh, you know, we didn't have some baby mamas and some baby daddies. I ain't judging nobody, but that's not the way it was supposed to be. We weren't supposed to do it like that. In Genesis 1, 27 to 31, this is where God gives an overview of creation. This is when, you know, he said, let there be light. This is when the sky, the land, the birds, the sea creatures, the, the creatures on the ground, fruit and vegetation. In that first chapter of Genesis, that's when he tells all of that. He gives a review of the first six days. It also says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He blessed them. He gave them rule over the earth. Then after God saw all that he had created, the sky, the waters, the animals, the land, the sea creatures, man and woman, then God said, it is very good. It is very good. What was included in that very good? Marriage. Marriage was included because he had made man and woman. And he said, this is very good. 
Marriage was including that. Well, where you getting that from, Pastor Ronna? Because we don't see marriage in there. It just said he created them. Well, let's go over here where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees tried to trick Jesus and ask him a question about divorce. And what does Jesus quote? Back in Genesis, he says, Jesus said this, that at the beginning, back when we just talked about, at the beginning, the creator made them. Male and female. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. He's talking about marriage here. He references what God did with the first man and woman. Y'all didn't know that God performed the first wedding ceremony right there with Adam and Eve. He blessed them and told them. What they could do and what they would be. Y'all, we got to pay attention. It is written also in the Bible that marriage is not easy for you to get out of. For those of you who keep trying to get out easy and I don't want to do this no more, you're in opposition and not in agreement with what God said. There are commands and rules throughout the Bible about staying together and honoring one another. Jesus likens marriage to his relationship with the church. God is serious about marriage. And we as Jesus followers must be as serious to not be ashamed of what God has put together and go ahead and fight for it. Go ahead and go for it. And so on this afternoon, we are going to do a margin check. We're going to do a margin check in your marriage, in my marriage, and in those of you who are single, you need to make sure that you know these things. Is there any space between your life and your limit of your marriage? How's the area between the main content of your marriage and the edge? How's the main content? Does your marriage have any breathing room? Is there any room to breathe? Let's look at three areas from the song. We're going to take it from, from Jonathan McReynolds' song. The first thing he says is, I find space for what I treasure. Space for two. 60% of divorced couples cited infidelity as a reason for their divorce. Infidelity is another leading cause of divorce, with 60% of couples citing a partner's unfaithfulness as a reason for their union ending. When a marriage is supposed to be monogamous, and one partner fails to fulfill this obligation, trust can be lost and the marriage will be irretrievably broken. Infidelity, cheating, is also known as infidelity. It's when a person in a monogamous romantic relationship has an emotional or sexual relationship with someone else without their partner's consent. This is what I want to tell us about this. A 60% of couples said this. That an affair doesn't always have to be physical. The affair can be emotional. Are you on the edge? Where is the margin when it comes to other people in your marriage? Here's your marriage. There's a margin and there's the edge. Are you in the main content or are you standing in the margin? Are you about over the edge when it comes to other people, physically or emotionally? Who are you talking to? What are you giving to them? Are you telling them about yourself, about your heart, about your issues, about your dreams? If you are, then you are about over the edge 
and you're giving them too much of yourself. One wrong move and you're going to be in an infidelity situation. Your marriage should be monogamous. Nobody else gets to share in that with you. If you feel like your spouse can't hear you, you cannot go give that to somebody else. You cannot live with somebody else. You can't play games on the edge. You can't have those little cute conversations. You can't entertain too often somebody telling you how smell, how good you smell, how good you look. You're on the edge of your marriage. Get off of the edge of your marriage. Stop entertaining what other people are saying and doing. You have to fight for your marriage. Infidelity, 60% of it. Come off of that. The other way that this, this infidelity comes into the marriage and sends you right into your margins is unfulfilled desire. It's not what I expected. I thought I would have something more than this. Disappointment plays a part. And so then you start looking around in other spaces and places for someone to fulfill that desire that your spouse has not fulfilled for you. You are not in agreement with God. You're in opposition when you go looking for something to fill that space. And also unmet expectation. I didn't think it was going to be like this. We're going to talk about that one in a minute. But it seems that infidelity and cheating is a common, is a known. We know that we are not supposed to do that. But we had to talk about you coming off of this margin and inviting somebody else into your life, into your home, into your personal business. We had to talk about it. But I want to talk just a little bit different about this word infidelity. Cheating. It's when you're in a relationship with someone else without your partner's consent. But I also want to talk about when you're in a relationship with something else that it without your partner's consent. And so your infidelity, and I know it's usually sexual and all of that, but you're cheating. It's not always with another person. Some of us is cheating with work. And work gets all of your time and all of your attention and all of your affection. It gets everything that you have. It's your work, including church work. Some of you are cheating. You're cheating on your spouse with church work. Because your church is over here in the main content of your marriage. And it shouldn't be in the main content, not the church work. God should be over there and Jesus should be over there, but not your church work. You're on the edge. You see your partner calling out, your partner throwing you signals. And you're not hearing them because you're cheating. You're cheating with work. It's getting all of your attention and time. You're cheating with your church work. Some of you is because you don't want to deal with what's going on at home. But we're going to talk about how you do those things. Some of you are cheating with your money. You're in a relationship with your money. Money is in the main content. And so your marriage is pushed to the edge because all you can think about is money. We need some more money. How are we going to get some more money? We ain't got no money. We need to do something about money. And so money becomes the primary. And so you start cheating with it. You're cheating because you lay up at night and think about money. You have more conversations about money than you do your spouse. You're cheating with money. You dream about ways that you can have a lot of money. 
oh, I dream about my big day coming in. I'm going to get a whole bunch of money. That's what you're dreaming about, but you're not dreaming about your spouse. You're not dreaming about how y'all going to plan to do it. And so you end up cheating with money. You're over your margin. You have to come back, and we're going to talk about that. The other thing that we cheat with is kids, family, and grandkids. You cheating with them grandkids and them kids because you have them in the main content. And they should not be in the main content. All of us grandparents is like, Lord, help us. Help us. Because we got them grandkids in the main. Your spouse is sitting over there and you are cooing. <laughs> and your spouse is like, man, you can cuckoo too. You know, man, you could, you know, how about that? If we're going to take care of our marriages, y'all act it up. If we're going to take care of our marriage, we got to get those kids out of the way because they're pushing us to our edge. Even grown kids, y'all. We won't leave them grown kids alone. They come back. They need this. They need that. And so money that's supposed to be, a time that's supposed to be for you and your spouse is spent on those grown kids. You're cheating. You're cheating on your spouse. And you're about over the edge. One more thing. And your spouse is like, I got enough of this. I got enough of your mama them. You cheating with your mama them. I got to go see my mama. I still got to go see my mama. My mama told me to come over here. My 18 them need me. But what about your spouse? There's a balance there. Nobody should be in the space of your spouse. Single folks, I hope y'all taking notes. Get mama them out the way. Push them out. You can take care of your mama. I ain't saying leave mama out on the curb. But I'm saying that she's not primary. She doesn't come before your husband, neither of those kids or those grandkids. Get off of the margin and make some room. This is about marriage, not family. We're talking about marriage today. A husband and a wife. Family comes on another day and at another time. This is about marriage Put them back in primary position, your spouse. Come off of the edge. You got too many people in the way and in your life. Learn how to pick up the cues from your spouse. I understand when my husband breathe heavy, I got a problem. And that's the truth. I'm watching his heavy sigh. I'm like, oh, God, now why is he doing that? Oh, now what's wrong? But he's sending me something. And I'm trying to pay attention to what he's sending. If he keeps repeating the same thing over and over, what you got to do today? What, what you got to do today? What's, what's, what's up today? Oh, you got, what, what, what you got today? Then that's telling me that you always got something today. So I need to make some room for him. Y'all pick up on their cues. Stop assuming that, you, that they ought to know and you ought to know what you're thinking and all of that. And so I... Find space for what I treasure. And what I treasure is my marriage and my spouse. The second one is I make time for what I want. Time for two. Lack of commitment is the most common reason for divorce. 
Marriage is not always easy, so success requires both spouses to dedicate their union and um, be serious about making it last. That's why it's not surprising that lack of commitment could spell disaster for a couple. In fact, 75% of individuals and couples cited lack of commitment as the reason for divorce. This was the most common cause of marriage ending, even higher than infidelity. It beat out cheating. Lack of commitment. Commitment is a promise to give yourself, your money, your time, your energy to something that you believe in. Commitment. Some of you are at the end. You're not even in the main content anymore. The margin that was supposed to be where I'm getting close to, I don't care. I'm getting close to, I don't even want to try. I'm getting close to it. You're supposed to be in the main content because we all get there sometimes. But for some of us, we stayed right there for so long that I'm tired of this. And we stepped over into the margin. I don't even want to try with this no more. I'm tired of her. I'm tired of him. I'm not even committed to trying anymore. My effort is gone. I'm not even in the main. I'm, I'm in the margin but I'm getting closer and closer to the edge because of my lack of commitment. I am no longer committed to this relationship. You've given up on working hard. You've given up on working through it. Relationships get complicated. Children make them complicated. Finances, health, jealousy, intimacy issues, they all make it complicated. But when are you going to come off the edge? You have to begin to talk about it. If you're going to save your marriage, you have to come out of I don't care. I don't care what happens here. You have to come out of being jealous. Did you know that jealousy was one of the number one things that pushed partners to I don't care? Because you're jealous of your spouse's life. You're jealous of their success. You're jealous that they have what you don't have. I really never understood jealousy in marriage, but this is a big thing between couples. And it leads you to be like, well, you, you think you're better than me anyway, and you're going on without me, and so I don't care. I don't care. The other one that was huge is intimacy issues. In marriage that leaves a couple to say I don't care because I can't fulfill what you need anyway and so my commitment has gone but we have to and uh, this is grown folks up in here I believe when I got to this one with the intimacy issues I went right back to the things that we have been working through all year physically fit emotionally sound and mentally stable all three of those fit right here because we have to recommit to our health for some of us I know somebody have some people have extenuating issues of why intimacy is an issue but for some of us it is and this is grown folks y'all this is the marriage class this is what we came to today for some of us it's just our physical health that is keeping me or him from being uh, physically intimate with our partners and so it's a lack of commitment your effort is gone because I'm not even gonna try to exercise I'm not even gonna try to eat right that's a lack of commitment 
I'm not committed to fulfilling your desire anymore. This is just on me. I'm just just who I am. This is just how I'm going to be. You lack of commitment is the number one reason. That means that you're not committed anymore. You're not even willing to try for me no more. That's why I have desires unmet. Because of your lack of commitment to us and to this marriage. You make it a no big deal for you while your partner is saying, I really would love to be physically intimate with you. But it is because of your, your lack of commitment to your own health and to our marriage that you're not doing that. The other part of intimacy issues is emotional and mental issue. Some of us just stuff that went on in the past, something that happened in our life. But you got to be committed enough to our relationship to go get the help you need. Do it for us. Not just, well, when I was a girl and this happened to me and I've been triggered. I know those things are serious and they're real. I'm not downplaying that. But you got married. And you didn't tell them beforehand that uh, I ain't going to be doing none of that. And I got issue with that. It's the grown folks up in here. You never told them that. And so now they're looking at you like, what's up? I still got a little fire burning over here. And you're not able to help me with that. Lack of commitment. Come off of the edge of your marriage. Stop saying you don't care. Stop sweeping that under the rug. Come out of that margin of whatever's whatever. When it comes to your marriage, again, get those kids out of there. We have to recommit to our partners. It's not only about you. You, This, this, this is how I am. I, I, it don't work no more. Well, what can we do about it? And what are you committed enough to do about it? And how can we plan to be intimate? How can we connect with one another? Your lack of commitment is pushing our marriage over the edge. Because you won't try for us no more. Not just you. I know it's uncomfortable. I don't want to walk around the block either, but I do. I don't want to eat these salads either, but I do. Not only do I eat salad for me, I eat salad for you. Not only do I walk for me, I walk for you. Not only do I read a book about my health for me, I read a book about it for you. Not only do I go to the doctor to see what we can do for me, I do it for you. That's what happens in marriage. Come off of the edge of your lack of commitment. The other one he says is, I choose my priorities. Prioritize for two. Over 70% of couples report not understanding the realities or stages of marriage. Come on, singles, and get your notepad out. Over 70% of couples report not understanding the realities or stages of marriage. A lack of knowledge about what marriage entails is one of the leading contributing factors to divorce. I didn't even know what, what this was going to take. In fact, 72% of couples reported that they didn't fully understand the commitment involved in marriage before they tied the knot. And many divorced people say they were surprised their partner changed over their marriage and were, uh, and were unable to personally cope with the new problems that arose over time. They didn't know what it was going to take to be in this marriage. Oh, I didn't know you was going to change. I didn't know you was going to start going through something. I didn't know menopause was coming. 
I didn't know there was a male menopause. I didn't know he was going to have issues with your kids. I didn't know you was going to start saying you don't longer want to be a housewife. I didn't know that you was going to want to quit your job. I, wait a minute. I wasn't prepared for, for these changes. The main content of your marriage is so close to the edge because you don't know who you're married to anymore. I don't know you, and I'm not prepared for what this is supposed to be for me. You never really knew who they were. You don't have rule for who they were going, are going to become, and you don't take the time to find out. The only thing you can say is you're different now. Now you're different. And so it has pushed your marriage to the edge when she becomes somebody else. You never wore your hair like that. Now you want your hair cut short? Now you want to lose weight? That's an issue. Now you done become somebody that I did not know. You're looking at your husband. Now you're trying to get all buffed up? Why, why, you, why are you looking like that now? Then you're trying to see if it's something else happening somewhere else. Who you looking good for? We just can't believe that he's looking good for us or she's changing for you or changing for herself. We're not married until we get to the edge because we start to think I'm not enough. I don't fit in this relationship anymore. Instead of trying to find out what's really going on, we push our marriage all the way to the edge. And there's no room. There is no margin because we never knew the person or we were not prepared for them to change. He says, I choose my priorities. Your priorities is to know your partner, to learn them, to talk with them, to find out what's going on with them, to not get mad when they're not the 20 year old that you married and now y'all 50. They're not the same person. They're growing. God is growing them up. We have to prioritize who that person is growing into. Single people. Your spouse is going to grow into somebody else. They're not going to stay that same person that you marry. Even if you got married at 50 or 60, if they live, an live another 10 years, they're not going to be the same person that you married. We're still growing. We're still becoming. We have to invest. My priority needs to be is who is he becoming so that I can be with them. Marriage is a case for grace. Stop getting on them so bad because they don't do what they used to do or they can't do what they used to do. They are, <laughs> Brandon said, right, they are growing. And they are becoming. Your marriage goes through changes. It won't be the same. But we have to know who they are. Some of us just never figured that out. I read this, and I had never seen this before. But you guys know Jacob. Jacob, who was in love with Rachel. And he went to work for Rachel. Made a deal with her dad. That um, if I work for you for seven years, then you'll give me Rachel in marriage, his daughter. And so the dad's name was Laban. He was like, yeah, I'll make that deal with you. And so he, he, he worked the seven years. When it was time for the dad to give him Rachel, they waited until nighttime. And, you know, Rachel had a sister. Her eyes was weak. <laughs> 
They said how beautiful Rachel was with a nice figure. She was beautiful. But then she had an older sister. Her name was Leah. And the Bible describes her eyes as weak. Y'all envision, y'all envision how y'all want to, how Leah looked. She wasn't cute. But he thought after he did all of that, that his father-in-law was sending in his beautiful bride. And what he did in the evening is he sent in Leah. And he laid with Leah. And it wasn't until morning that he realized he had been tricked. And that that wasn't his beautiful bride. But I like what this author wrote. He said, because Jacob marries Leah by mistake, which happens not because she was disguised as a bride, but because he consummates the marriage in the darkness of a tent. He consummated, it was good to me, thank you, me and Liz, everybody else like, hmm. It wasn't because, come on, Liz, he has something on. She wasn't hidden. It was dark. He could not see who he was laying with. I'm going to say this to the single people, the people that's not married. You all, as Liz said, are fumbling around in the dark. You're in secret. You're tipping around. You're laying with people that you don't know because you have not done the work to know them. It has not been a priority. And you're in the dark because you don't want nobody to know that you're sleeping around with them. I'm telling you, when the light comes on in there, you're going to be in a room with Leah. Man or woman, don't come crying to nobody mad because you got tricked and it was Leah when you were sleeping in the dark, tipping around in the dark, thinking nobody knew. Allow that person to hold you in the dark. You let him or her keep you in the dark. Don't tell nobody about us. Let's just keep sneaking in under here in the dark. Let's just keep doing it in the dark. And then you have a fit when it comes to light and you've been sleeping with Leah. That's for men and women. I ain't going to go no deeper. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Thank you. Somebody done tricked you, but you let them trick you. Because you allowed it to be in the dark. Ladies and gentlemen, if somebody is holding you in the dark, then they are not worth your time. If somebody's creeping and sneaking around with you, they are not worth your time. If you can't see me in the daylight, if I can't tell people that we together, you're a Leah and you ain't worth my time. You know why? Because I'm going to look up and you're going to be ugly. And I don't only mean physically ugly, your ways. Your character is going to be ugly because you would not allow me to be in the daylight. It said when morning came, that's when he knew it was Leah. Some of y'all morning is going to come. You better come out of that dark because you are going to be disappointed. Because you're consummating your relationship in the dark and you don't know who that is. Married couples, 
Learn to know who your spouse is. Don't you keep consummating and going on with your marriage in the dark. Take a pause to ask them who they are. Ask them what's going on with you. What's happening with you? How are you changing? What's happening? Speak to them. Don't continue on in the dark. Even if you started in the dark. Change today. Change today. I'm praying that God will convict some hearts on today. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, Pastor said, I'm praying the hound dogs of heaven come after somebody. I'm praying that some hound dogs of heaven come after some of y'all in here who've been sleeping around in the dark. That's from your pastor. <laughs> come away from the edge, talk, listen, give room, and give some grace. Give some grace. I don't know where Keith went, but I'm ready. And so I gave you guys a, a quicker version of that. But this is for you to have some margin in your marriage because you don't have room for what that is you have to come off of come off of the edge the last thing that he says in there is he says that he'll make room for two he says so that you don't feel that you can't live here please live with me and I want to say this to you that are already married and those that are single. He said, so that you don't feel that you can't live here. Please live with me. Live with me not only means to cohabitate, to live in the same space or place. It also means to live, to experience or enjoy life to the full. I'm living here with you. It is to be alive and not dead or lifeless. I'm living here with you. It is to be full of energy and spirit and lively. I want to be able to live with you. I want you to be able to look at your spouse and ask him when you get out of here, when you have a time and a, and a private moment, just ask them, are you living? Are you living? Not, not that we just cohabitating and being roommates, but are you in, enjoying life? Are you experiencing joy? Are you free to dream? Or are we so close on the edge? Do you feel like you can't share with me? You feel like you got to go outside because somebody else, you're sharing your desires and your dreams with somebody else? Or do you feel like you got nobody to share them with? Are you living? I want you to live with me. I want to have room for two people in my life. And those two people are not me and my grandson. <laughs> not me and my kids. Not me and my friends. Not me and mama them. But I make room for two. That's for me and you. So that we can live. So that we can recommit to one another. We can reprioritize one another. I say to you, I got room for you. In my life, we can talk. I'm not on the edge with you. And so this is for some couples, just, just a few scriptures. Remember that God is clearing the way for your marriage. 
Deuteronomy 31 and 8 says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you, couples. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Keep your marriage with him. Be loving and faithful in all things when it comes to your marriage. Be loving and faithful. Proverbs 3 and 3 says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Find that love and that faithfulness around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I am faithful. And I am in love with you. Love is selfless and kind, not seeking to get its own way. Y'all know this. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5 says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Renew your love with your spouse. It's time for a conversation. It's time for a conversation. Embrace your spouse and show them the best of your love. Who gets the best of your love? Can you say it's your spouse? Or is it? Who is it? Is it the kids? Is it the grandkids? Who do you whisper sweet nothings to? Who do you long to see? Who do you long to spend time with? Is it your spouse? If it's not, then you need to recommit to your spouse today. Y'all need to talk through some things. Embrace them. Uh, Solomon 8.3 says, his left hand is under my head. And his right hand embraces me. That's in the Bible. Embrace your spouse. Let them know that we are more than cohabitators in the same place. But that I'm here for relationship. And the last thing I, I, could, I could see our, um, our previous months all throughout today's message. But be socially connected. Not only with your spouse. But it did say this, couples who have friends who divorce have a 75% increase in the risk of their own marriage ending. All of you all that keep hanging around with your divorced friends and keep listening to what they say and they telling you all of these weekend warrior stories about what they did when it did with this person and that person, careful, careful. Careful, careful, because if you're already on the edge, their conversation is going to push you right on over the edge. Get you some married friends, some people who actually like marriage and like being married and not only keep talking to the people who want a divorce and my wife this and my husband that. But the keys, the keys to making room is both of you all bring your marriage to God. You have to bring your marriage and sit it with him. The keys is being willing to communicate. Talk about it. Really, really have a conversation with one another. Make your spouse a priority. Move all of that other junk out of the way. Put them back first. Even if you feel like they don't have you first, put them back first. Because the only thing that you can do is your part. You can't do their part anyway. 
And so we're going to pray right now for all of the couples. If your spouse is here with you, or if you're just going to stand in, in, in representation of your spouse, I want you to come to the altar. We're just going to pray really quick. I really want you all to cover one another. And so come on, if you're married, come on to the altar. Um, we can just go with, um, I'll make room for you. Um, we'll just do that if your spouse is here. Or if you want to stand uh, for your spouse. I'm standing for us because I'm going to take this anointing back to into my life. Come into our marriage. God, we've made some mistakes. But God, we said thank you that we're inviting you now to be the Lord and Savior over our lives and in our home. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank God for the word today. We are a church of family, and we thank God for sending that to us today. We ask if uh, Pastor Renee would come. Did Kareem leave? Pastor Renee, if you would come. We want to uh, say a thank you. I wanted to uh, thank Kareem as well. As you all know, we opened another uh, ACS community center on the other side of town last week. And keeping both centers open, we've had... Uh, ACS opened now for four years, and uh, now we're opening another center. In a few months, we're opening our third center. And so much of this, all, all 90, 95% is this young lady right here. I said, I don't know how she gets it all done, but she opened them with no, no compensation. Uh, it's hard sometimes to get people to give the gifts to the kingdom unless you're going to compensate them. Um, but we have to almost force her to take uh, compensation. And then I have a dilemma because she controls the bank account. So there's no way to even bless her without uh, her knowing about it. But I found a way. I'm smart and she even gave last weekend she gave up uh, her anniversary that's why I wanted to bring her husband up because she he he allows her to do so much and when she gets near the edge of her margin he'll write a check to keep us back in the margins so I really did want to appreciate him as well and since they gave us their anniversary, um, I want you all to go. I was going to give it to him because I don't trust you. 
I trust you with the money. I trust you with ministry. I trust you with the buildings. I trust you with the vision. But I don't trust you when it comes to taking care of you. So y'all, is the daughter still here? Tell your daddy. Tell your daddy what I'm saying. I want you to go somewhere. I want you to relax. I want you to take care of yourself. This is for you. This is not for ACS. This is not for New Antioch at Aliate. This is for you. Thank you so much for everything you do for the community, for New Antioch, for ACS. You are the secret of our success. And I believe you're going to build this building on Sunrise. Man, she also does that project. You are a pastor's dream. You just sometimes need somebody else to believe. And somebody else to believe it enough to put their, their hands and feet toward it. And you have been that for me. This does not happen without you. God sent you here. He sent you here to keep me from breaking. And I appreciate you, woman of God. So we just wanted to appreciate you uh, from ACS, um, the Antioch Community Services Center. Just wanted to appreciate you today. And... Uh, Amen. Amen. What a Amen. Uh, let me pray, though, for Kareem right quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you know the situation that's going on. I need you to give him wisdom. I need you to give him peace. I need you to work it out for him right now. Work it out. You are a Jesus who can work it out. And I need you to work it out and make it smooth in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless the man of God for the blessing that he has been to this house, for the blessing that he has been to our corporation. Bless him now. Fix it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Uh, for those of you that did not have an opportunity to give earlier, you don't leave here without your blessing. It is a blessing to give to the house of the Lord. Amen. Even as you give of yourself, uh, because God has given this woman of God so much to do. He's blessed her husband tremendously so that she can do what he calls her to do. Amen. And I have that testimony. Those of you uh, who don't believe, here's just another uh, tithing testimony, tithing and offering. When my husband and I got married uh, six years ago, um, he was on a, 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 a limited income. and uh, uh, he, But I believe in tithing. And so uh, since we combined income, it gave him an opportunity to be able to become a consistent tither. Since he has been tithing, it has totally transformed his finances quadruple over to the point just from tithing and giving. He haven't changed nothing else. No extra jobs, no anything. Just from tithing and giving, his income has gone up to the point now that he could buy his wife a car. Let me say that. that he could buy his wife a car. We're my seasoned saints. 
Do y'all know that the seasoned saints prayed this car up for me? I didn't find that out till late last night. That a couple of weeks, they say, Liz, you prayed and, and, and heaven down. And, and, and my sister had dropped it that, 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 you know, I've been needing a car for a long time. Uh, even way back when we were doing uh, give one, buy one, uh, buy one, give one. And I needed a car. So I bought two other folks a car. Uh, for one for each church. That was years ago. That's how long I've needed a car. Uh, but it's never been the right time for the church. Because as you all know, if the pastor gets anything, then the people stop giving because they think that they're paying for the pastor's stuff. And so I doing a big give. I needed it last year. Um, the cars were falling apart. I just patched them back together uh, to drive a little bit because we were asking for the big give. And I can't go get a car when I just asked y'all for an offering because the people shouldn't be that way, but they are. Uh, and so um, I just put it together as long as I could. Cars completely falling apart to the point that my sister told the season saints, would they please pray for me to get a car? <laughs> and that's what they, thank you, season saints. Y'all got some power. Um, and so my husband told me again, uh, you know, we got all this stuff going on in Central. I, 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 I have to see, ex explain to these people why I get a car. He said, I'm buying the car and none of the church money is part of his income. So if anybody asks you how, to tr how your pastor get a car, look at her driving a new car, and all the church money going to the car, let me get this clear. Not one dime of church money bought the pastor a car. Not one dime. But it's something he would not have even imagined being able to do Till he got faithful in tithing offering. I'm telling y'all, this tithing offering thing work. I've seen God do it. I've seen God do it in his life. So we want you to get in on that kind of blessing. Uh, and so again, our ways to give, if you did not give earlier, you can, um, you can mail it in to 2550 Nature Park. You can cash up right now. New, new A Aliante. Make sure you have two A's. Cash a uh, dollar sign. New A Aliante. You. We'll give you an offering envelope. Uh, and we and and you able to give as you uh, exit. We always want you to know um, uh, to give you the opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God. This Tuesday night, at my community group, I have a community group that's that's part of both churches. Um, I'm inviting everybody out if you'd like to come. Uh, we're in a book called The Fifteen Laws of Growth. And you, we all have been growing uh, this year, changing this year. And I have a community group that's just focused on growth. You can actually join the group at any time. This lesson that we're doing this week is the law of the rubber band, which is teaching you how to stretch. If, so God showed me this, and let me say this real quick. This is, we're getting off the edge. We're living in our margins. But as I begin to look at all of the areas in my life, I found out that 
I, I have some places where I'm living in my margins and I need to pull it back. But in some areas, this is where God wants me to be. But this is where I actually am. That I have a spiritual expensive, uh, uh, the, the way I preach and pray and pastor, that I don't have the spiritual life to match where I need to be spiritual living, spiritually living. So when this is a margin, but when I'm back here and God wants me up there, that's not a margin, that's a gap. You know how people have a gap in their teeth? Because they're supposed to be together, but they're not. Anything that, that is supposed a fence is supposed to fit together, but there's a there's a gap. Uh, uh, it's different from a margin. I found out, Pastor Run, I had some gaps. And so what I need to learn how to do is stretch. The stretch is to fill the gap. That stretch is from where I am to where I'm supposed to be. So this is the law of the rubber band, which is a basically stretch. This, this impacted my life so much, we almost did a whole year on it. We got the T-shirts about stretch. Some of you need to stretch. Some of you need to pull back, but the rest of y'all have some gaps where you need to stretch. You got some gaps in your giving where you need to stretch. We're going to talk about stretch, how to stretch. We are made to stretch. We're made to be able to do a little more than we're doing right now. And so I want to invite everybody to come out. We're going to be at ACS Central in the multipurpose room at ACS Central at 630. We have food and all those that we chill out. With. That's where group is going to be. But it's so important. I'm also going to uh, live stream it. I'm a live stream it, but I want you to be in the house so you can get all of that. You're welcome to come to our community group, but I'm going to live stream it as well because I want you to get this concept. We got to come off of these margins, and then we got to get rid of these gaps. And how about just living where God wants us to live? Amen. And so I want to invite you to that. Vacation Bible School starts on Tuesday. Give us your children to pour Jesus into them. Their mission, Deep Sea, is going to be great and very creative. We have some very creative teachers, uh, and so you all still can um, register your kids for that. Uh, the information is in the back, or you can do that. What y'all call it? Uh, put your phone up to that thing. QR code it uh, right now. So put it up a little bit just in case somebody uh, needs that as well. Um, put on your calendars. We're going to do a, our next fellowship. Ficam Fellowship will be fourth Sunday night. Just keep that on your calendar. And then uh, there's a healing to health, mental health, the faith-based community and mental health um, that is going to be going on at Nevada Partners this Saturday from 8 to 4. I am teaching that day. Uh, my workshop is in the morning. It's going to be quite interesting workshop uh, actually on the church and um, uh, the gay community and, and what we need to be doing in there. Uh, but if you come, we're going to be one of the sponsors. So just let them know that you're with New Antioch Christian Fellowship and yours will be 
uh, taken care of if you would like to do that. I'm speaking there. I just wanted to put that out there. Amen. Amen. If uh, we're, we're standing. MIT tonight, my bad. MIT tonight at 6 p.m. MIT will be here. That's ministers in training, and that's where our ministers get to go forth. Uh, ministers in training. I'm going to do. Tonight in ministers training here at Aliante. You all just kind of go ahead. Oh, yes. Our 50, 150 people times five. We made it. So we're going to celebrate it on fifth Sunday. It's going to be a great celebration in here. We're going to keep going because it is our time to be fruitful and multiply right here in this house. There's also a back to school. Uh, oh, we got the Just One Challenge one today. We are at 116 souls that have been added to the kingdom. And we're going to continue again to get that Just One. And I'm going to pray for that. Uh, right now there's also a, a, a camp for the if you want your kids uh, we still have uh, we still will do that to get them through the rest of the summer after vacation Bible school but it's also for the community Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you. We praise you for your word today. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're continuing to do, what you're going to do. Take us to our various homes, God. Keep us safe as we serve this week. Send us out into this week to do better in marriage, to do better as a single, to do better in the kingdom, to do better financially and physically. God, send us out changed in the name of Jesus. Jesus. God, we're asking you for divine appointments that we meet that just one person that is ripe and ready to, to come into the kingdom. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And love on somebody. And if this is a church you want, see them at the welcome table. We would love to be your church family.